Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to our review of Flex Fight Series 15. I am TJ Ragusa, joined by Zarya and Sensei James Leonelli. And we are back after what was an eventful and challenging day that brought a lot of action up and down the card. James, we'll start with you. How are you feeling today in the wake and now that we've had some time to absorb after Flex Fight Series 15? Absolutely. The, the word of the day for Flex Fight 15, in my opinion, was adversity. Not only do we have fighters overcoming the adversity of the weather, of Long Island's humidity, of Long Island's intense, intense sun, but also we had fighters who were fighting late replacements who had several opponent changes. And adversity definitely seemed to be the word of the day. And man, we certainly overcome that adversity. Zaria, how did you feel about the whole event? The whole, the whole event, we had an amazingly big card, so that alone in and of itself I was super excited about. But I'm going to have to agree with you, James. Yeah, adversity was the theme of the day. Uh, we got hit with a little bit of rain halfway through the prelims. We had to deal with some unforeseen circumstances, but everyone fought great. Everyone got back in there. The team got it together, and, you know, we made it through, and it was an awesome night of fights. We had a lot of knockouts um, and really entertaining fights, so I'm excited to just get into this card. And we have a lot of fights to get to, 28 to be exact, where how many we were able to get in. What was a near 12-hour day, uh, managing to get around that rain delay, as we mentioned, but best team in the business, keep them with it. And the fighters delivered as well. At the top, Patrick Carroll defending the pro kickboxing heavyweight title by knockout over replacement fighter and Jonathan Miller, who proved to be a game opponent. But that fight didn't last very long. Patrick Carroll continuing his dominance and uh, improves to 5-0 and as an undefeated professional. Awesome. Yeah, it was a great fight. Great performance by Pat Carroll. That man's just scary. He's just scary. You just look at him, and honestly, he's the nicest guy. Like, at the weigh-ins, <laughs> his opponent was running a little bit late. My nephew's running around, I was, and my nephew's 82 pounds or so. I look at my nephew, I'm like, hey, bud, um, if Patrick's opponent doesn't show up, you're going to have to do the weigh-in and the stare-down with Patrick. And then Patrick's like, yeah, then you might, we, we might have to fight in the cage tomorrow. Just like playing right along with my nephew, playing right into the joke, as kind as can be. But those leg kicks that he delivered certainly were not kind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He got, I mean, he got that done pretty quickly. That was our main event. And um, yeah, he showed up. He, he is always working hard. That's his, that's his second title defense for us. Correct. Yes. This is, yeah, this is his second title defense. And I mean, he went in there and he did what he had to do. And it was an exciting way to end the night. Certainly was. And Jonathan Big Baby Miller making the trip, coming all the way up from Florida. He had fought in Mississippi a couple of weeks prior in Jorge Masvidal's game-bred boxing. And uh, kudos to Jonathan Miller taking that fight on five days' notice. And um, really uh, really just giving the best effort he could. He took an injury in the process, but we know he will be back for Flex Fight Series at some point soon. Absolutely. He was certainly very happy to be with us. But that was a great way to cap off the night. But even from the first fight of the night, just awesome, awesome fights. So we should just take it from the top. Looking at, at Giorgio Loban. Help me out here, TJ. Lobzanidze. <laughs> Thank you. Versus Del Barnes Jr. Uh, Georgie coming out, putting his dominant wrestling on display. As soon as you know that someone is trained with Jordan Burroughs, if you guys aren't familiar with, with collegiate wrestling, Jordan Burroughs is the Michael Jordan. He is the LeBron James of collegiate wrestling. There is no one better. He is the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of the spear in college wrestling. And when you've, even if you've been in the classroom with him, even if you never locked up with him, just to be at that level, you know your wrestling is going to be top notch. And Georgie put it on display, hit a really nice single leg takedown, right away to side control, finishes with a quick submission, a north-south choke, right in round one. Really dominant performance. Alex, did you take anything out of that performance? 
Um, yeah, just like you said, it was a it was an extremely dominant performance. Um, you know, Georgie, I got to talk to him a little bit, uh, and he was just he just seems like he knew what he was going to go in there and do when I spoke to him, and he got it done in that first round. So I mean, Del Barnes came; he sh- he showed up to, to fight, but with the dominance of Georgie, it just you know that that was it after the first round. Exactly. Then right into Big Mike Bruce versus Marcos Torres. TJ, what a fight that was, huh? Certainly, and what a personality on Mike Bruce. I mean, you got to love this guy. He comes up from Florida. He's one of these guys who is just super genuine, unapologetically himself. We actually found out that after this fight, um, he was we saw him wrapped up in a sling during the rain delay, and, uh, and he had said that he had broken his elbow, I believe it was, something along those lines. But getting that huge knockout in round two was a competitive fight. Marcos Torres was game. He wasn't going away. There's two big boys who came in and met in the middle, and it was entertaining until the very end. Yeah, Mike was a little disappointed in how he thought his striking looked, but I was very pleased with his knowledge of distance and how well he applied distance. When Marcos was striking, he was just out of range. Then when Mike wanted to strike, he'd be right into range, used the clinch really effectively, and once he used that Greco background, got that takedown, that was all she wrote. Good luck getting out of money, big Mike Bruce. Absolutely, and and Mike Bruce is from Florida, and he he just has such a great energy he was so positive from the second I saw him at the weigh-ins to even right after his fight, seeing him in the sling with his elbow broken. He was just super positive, super great energy, super good guy. And um, he he's like, you know, super excited to come back and fight with Flex. So hopefully we'll see him back again soon because he had a phenomenal performance. And I, no one would have ever known like that anything was broken. Like he was, you know, had his hand raised. Everything looked like it was, you know, all good. Well, he said he so, didn't even um, realize until after the fight and the doctors looked at him. Yeah, yeah. So, like, a true warrior. And, like, those are the kind of, you know, those are the kind of fighters that we like to have on Flex. So, um, you know, thank you, Mike, for being a part of it. I hope to see you back soon. And uh, Marcos as well. Like, that was a great, you know, it was a competitive matchup. But, um, you know, Mike Bruce ultimately walked away with the win. Exactly. The fight yeah. that followed wasn't exactly as competitive. Alex Mamimak is now a rising star in Flex Fight Series, moving to 2-0 and on his young career with two emphatic knockouts he took out miguel bernicet in the first round of their lightweight feature here at flex fight series 15 and we're talking about this a little bit earlier kind of a, a performance that we may have expected from mommy marcus but he looked flawless nonetheless speaking of flawless your d- delivery of his fight nickname the pride of sparta i would have to agree was also pretty flawless i'd have to i think we'd have to imagine that that is your favorite nick fight nickname to announce in that one flex or uh, or don't you know josh but <laughs> I think two of the better nicknames that we have. Josh, but yeah. no. Yeah. I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely love uh, this fighter, Alex Mamanakis. He has, again, very sweet. I got to speak with him, fighting for people who are struggling with disease. That's what inspires him. He fights, um, you know, for, for people that are struggling with, I'm sorry, disease illnesses and things like that. So, you know, his heart is really in the right place when he goes into these fights and just a very, uh, has a lot of uh, respect in the ring and I like his little bow and arrow that he shoots before he goes in there. So it was a great fight to watch. You know, unfortunately his original opponent, you know, pulled out. So it was a little bit, uh, you know, whenever it's a last minute replacement, the, you know, the fight cannot be as competitive, but um, he went in there and did what he had to do. And I can't wait to see him back at the flex cage. Very technical performance stepped in. Uh, he hit a right hand. He saw the, cr- he saw that, that two, that cross, land he saw his opponent's hand moved so as soon as the opponent's hand moved 
he boom hit it right again, and that was all she wrote. And props to Miguel for taking the fight on short notice. But Alex absolutely had everything he needed to win that fight. Moving right along. Moving on Speaking from there, Eli Guzman and Dijon Farrell Francis, a remarkable matchup actually at uh, 185. And this is one of those fights that when the when the fight card came out, we were all looking ahead to it. At least I was for sure. Dijon Farrell Francis, one of the rising prospects out of uh, Ramirez Boys Fight House. Eli Guzman out of Carnicella MMA. And these guys met in the middle. It was a great fight for three rounds, but Guzman ultimately at the end taking what I believe was 30-27 across the board in a unanimous decision. Yeah, that's what I have written down. He used really dominant takedowns. I have the, uh, my notes say takedowns, story of the fight. And you know, Eli was a collegiate football player, and you saw that takedown ability that he had as a football player. And um, it, what was so impressive to me is round two, he goes for a guillotine. He, go, he, he makes the choice to, to pull to the bottom for a moment. And it looked like, oh, here's a moment of hope for Dijon Francis. And as soon as, as he realized he didn't have the guillotine, Eli frames his way right up and gets right back to his feet. So it's like, wow, what an amazing wrestling skill set and, and ground skill set that Eli has to work with. Uh, you know, he wants to be known as more than a grappler, but when your grappling is that good, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Alex, Absolutely. what do you mean? Go ahead. Absolutely. No, it was a great fight. Like you said, we saw his uh, his takedown ability on display, and um, it's always fun to see the, the heavyweights in there, the big boys in there doing doing takedowns, doing getting takedowns, and doing things like that. So it was a great fight. I really I really enjoyed it. And um, the next fight we had was Patrick Puzo and Kevin Duarte from Killer Bees Combat. TJ, how did you feel about another, that? Uh, Another Long Island MMA product having success in the Flex Fight Series cage. Puzo in our uh, our first kickboxing fight of the evening, won by split decision here. And uh, a fight that probably could have gone either way. Um, these guys met in the middle. They were fighting what felt like phone booth style fighting for a while. Patrick Puzo was pretty effective with his kicks, although right behind us while we were watching this fight, his teammate Kareem Klein was screaming at him to get his hands going. But James, I think you, uh, you had a little different perspective on that fight, at least from the Long Island MMA and Patrick Puzo side of things. See, in, in my opinion, I thought Patrick was being very successful with his kicks. That's what I've written down. He was very successful when he was using the fact that he is a lefty. When he was using the angles, when he was using his body kick and his teeps, he was being very successful. And I like we were talking about this before we started recording, but I didn't see a reason to change it up. But I mean, I've never I haven't been in the training room with, with Patrick. So for all I know, for as good as his kicks looked, his hands could look much, much better. And maybe that could have been a runaway decision had he chosen to go to his hands, but nonetheless, I thought he did, he did enough to win. I was, I I thought it was a great fight and it was awesome fight to watch. And I mean, Kevin Darty, an amazing right body kick. Oh, every time he hit it, I would like wince in the, in the announced position because man, he had some big power on that. And Patrick dealt with it like a champ, used his teeth wonderfully, man, just a great, great fight overall. What was the next fight? Next one was Elton to Dodge and Eric Turner, another kickboxing fight. This one at welterweight and uh, Elton to Dodge ran away with this one. Three rounds. I believe this one was also 30, 27 across the board unanimous. Yeah. Uh, Elton was just an absolute sniper with his kick. So that, that's, that's the word I've written down here. Man, it's just sniper. Like does he, it, I heard this recently uh, in social media you know, in, in striking your front hand is like a machine gun. Like it goes really quickly and you don't have to be as accurate with it because it doesn't take very long to reload. But the back, the backhand, that's the power one. You throw that one, that's that's your sniper rifle. That one's super powerful, but it takes a while to reset. And similar with kicks, 
you, you know, long combinations of kicks aren't something you necessarily see. But Elton just wham! Everything he he went to throw with his legs, he was landing and landing with authority. I know, Zaria, you and I were remarking on the power of those kicks. What did you think of this fight? Absolutely, there was a ton of heavy kicks, um, and it was just an exciting matchup all around. I mean, it was super competitive, and uh, I, I would like to see them. I mean maybe fight again who knows <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly see we'll see each of them in the cage <clears throat> pardon me at some point again hopefully for flex fight series our next fight of the evening however still in the welterweight division this time at mixed martial arts tommy hodge came into this fight with Eliash aminov confident in his wrestling ability the fight did go to the ground but it was aminov successful in the first round by rear naked choke yeah uh, what blew me away is the combinations on the ground you know, that's when you see someone who can throw jujitsu like they can throw a hand combination, that kind of fluidity put together. Like, I, I could see how bad my handwriting is as I wrote down the things that Elias was going after. So I could tell that tells you how fast they were happening. Uh, he went after a guillotine, then a triangle. He used that triangle to get a sweep. He, get, he gets the back, follows to mount, finishes uh, uh, with a rear naked choke, and just a, a successive combination of things that he's throwing up. Very, very impressive ground display. Really, yes. And these sorry, fights, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was going to ask you that <laughs> what you thought of the fight, but you jumped right in. Take it. Well, these fights. That's why I'm like I was a little like stuck on the last one. I think I believe these are the fights that happened after we had that rain delay. The rain delay came during the actually, match. yeah. It was the the next fight after uh, Elias Imanov. It was Sergio Rivera and Eric Gonzalez. They got about 20 seconds of action in, and the heavens completely opened up. Everybody in the arena, or outdoor uh, amphitheater, rather, ran to the stage, ran for cover. The only people mm -hmm. left were Chris Molina, Sergio Rivera, and Eric Gonzalez, and uh, and myself, actually. And I'm staring at all well, the three of us. <laughs> we're all looking up at Chris mm -hmm. Molina, and he, he sees the rain coming. He doesn't know what to do. He goes, time. He starts signaling time. There's no one to signal time to. Everyone already ran out. So <laughs> we end up getting a restart out of that one, but... When we uh, when we did get the fight going again, it was a competitive three rounds between Rivera and Gonzalez, and uh, Rivera emerges victorious, improving now to three and five on his career by rear naked choke. Yeah, uh, the, the one thing you didn't get to see uh, during the broadcast is uh, it had already sprinkled a couple of little times during the day, so there was a tarp over the monitors at the announced position. Yeah, and Zaria and I are, are sitting there, and all of a sudden, start the rain starts to pick up, so we duck under the tarp and we're watching the fight on the monitors, and so we're not aware that everybody else is gone. <laughs> we see them on the monitor. We see Chris Molina. We see Sergio. We see Eric Gonzalez. That's all we see. And we just hear on the top of the tarp just a, the intense rain. And we're like, oh, God, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And it, then we see Chris Molina call time to nobody, as he said. And the fighters are like, all right, guys, I, I guess we'll be back. And then we step out of the tarp and we realize we're the only two idiots still down here on the floor. Everybody else is back on the stage. And that too, that type of, uh, you know, that's a testament to the, to the fighters that we have on flex, you know, they were able to get back in there after that. And it was like, a, it was a 20 minute delay, but they got in there, they were professional. They did what they needed to do in the cage and everybody just kept carrying on. And the, the fights continued to be great past that one. Yeah, and uh, after that, we had Jesse Umana and Fabian Uterres. Before we get to Jesse and Fabian, I just want to take a moment and just recognize the, 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 not only the, the martial arts skill, but the mindset 
of Eric and Sergio to get back in the mental place to fight after that huge rain delay. Because getting up for a fight is one thing. Like to do that once in a day and then have the letdown afterwards, like that's, that's one huge thing. But to be able to do that, have a two-hour rain delay, and during the rain delay, it's like, well, is this happening? Isn't it? Is it happening? Isn't it? Like, how, when do you warm up again? How do you warm up again? Are you warm? Like, what, what's happened? And to be able to get back in that headspace after all of that and then still go out and compete, amazingly commendable. Amazingly commendable. Such, like, these guys are amateurs, but amazingly, amazing professionalism in their performances. And Sergio went out. I was extraordinarily impressed uh, with his ground game. I mean, obviously, we're looking at a guy who comes from No Limits Kickboxing. I'm looking for some striking, and his grappling looked awesome. Win via third round, rear naked choke. Just an awesome, awesome fight. Was there anything else that either of you guys took out of that fight or that performance? Absolutely. Just that, you know, it shows the, um, you know, the mental, the mental toughness that you have to have that goes into, even though fighting is a very physical sport, it's so, so, so mental. And that a situation like that, even though it may be unfortunate and unforeseen, that's what fights are, you know, things happen all the time that are unforeseen. This just happened to come by way of elements. So it was nice to see how the fighters were able to, you know, take that on and go in there and be professional. And it'll just keep making that is a random situation that will ultimately make them better and keep them improving and keep them, you know, maybe if something else gets thrown at them, that's not weather or something, just keep that mental, that mental game strong because it is so much a part of fight sports. And speaking of fighters getting through the elements in the next two fights that slippery canvas condition could have potentially played a part in what were the ultimate finishes, but we will get to all of that in just a moment, starting with Jesse Imana and Fabian Gutierrez. That fight ends by knockout one minute and 41 seconds into round number one in a fight that was just a slobber knocker. These boys came together and just threw hands. They threw caution to the wind and eventually Jesse Imana found the decisive shot one minute, 41 seconds in as mentioned and. James, I want to hear your thoughts on this one, exactly how it went down. Yeah, slobber knocker is a great word for it. And not what I would call the most technical fight in the world. Um, but Fabian seemed to be the more composed striker from what I could tell. Uh, Jesse seemed to be the more powerful fighter from what I could tell. But like you said, they were finding uh, they were finding slippery parts of the canvas, slipping, you know, Jesse's throwing a big, crazy right hand, finds the slippery part of the canvas and falls. Fabian moves his head, slips, falls. Uh, and ultimately, it was a slip that led to the knockout. Fabian slides out as he's getting up, recovering his balance after a slide. He recovers right into a big Jesse right hand. And that was all she wrote. Um, you know, this is fight sports. This is what happens. But, uh, you know, Jesse's very, very excited. Uh, he does come from a big wrestling background. So he did do a really big illegal throw early in the fight. <laughs> That I kind of went a little bit over, man. Sometimes, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But it's like, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the big question was, should a point be taken away for that? And in my opinion, yes, because it wasn't like he tangled up and took him down. Like he, that was a belly to belly suplex. That was <laughs> that was straight up Greco Roman wrestling. That was beautiful, beautiful technique. And an MMA would have been awesome. But <laughs> you are fighting in a kickboxing fight, Alex. Do you have anything else that you saw from that fight? Yeah, I mean, props to Fabian for staying composed after that slam. That was kind of like, I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> what are we watching here again? But yeah, like like TJ said, you know, it's easy when you're training in one certain style and then to, you know, go into the mixed martial arts, go into a mixed martial, I'm sorry, not a mixed, start training all of the martial arts, even though this was a kickboxing fight, then to not re resort back to, 
you know, you're, you're going off of a lot of instincts in there. So not to do something instinctual, like, like what Jesse did, but, um, you know, Jesse was a, you could just tell from when he walked into the ring that he was like chomping at the bit to kind of just like go and really prove, uh, himself in that cage. So his energy was super intense and I could see why he got caught up in that moment and kind of did, you know, slammed Fabian, but again, props to Fabian for not getting, you know, super, uh, super i mean that could be a, a changing a changing a way a fight ch- turns around you know but again with the slipping and everything like that that i do feel like jesse was kind of in there to to make a statement and you know that's his first fight in the cage so he's just going to keep improving and so is fabian so i can't wait to see them both back in there it was an exciting one and i do believe that was an active choice made by jesse and his team over at omma coach marco mart they know he's got the wrestling. He was an all-county wrestler at Massapequa, placed fourth in Nassau County, I believe in 2016, could have been 2015, one of those two years. But um, placed fourth his senior year. They know he has the wrestling background. I believe that him coming in and taking his first fight in kickboxing was to kind of help round out his game. So whether or not his next fight is in mixed martial arts, I certainly hope that it will be because I want to see him utilize that wrestling ability. However, however they uh, choose to go about the next stage of his career will be an entertaining fight nonetheless. And an entertaining fight we had against Nart Goka, or between Nart Goka against Tyler McNett. This one was for the MMA cruiserweight title on our preliminary card. And this one was once again just a, a physical fight. I don't want to quite call this one a slobber knocker because it was much more technical than the uh, than the previous fight. However, this one did get a little bit sloppy at points, and ultimately Nart is able to win by knockout. Beautiful straight left hand, followed by the jab. I absolutely oh sorry, sorry. I'm excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm excited man. about this one, James. Let me talk. <laughs> no, this was, I loved this matchup because these two guys were such opposites. Like their total energy, the whole package that they came in, total, total opposites. Nart is such an amazing guy. Um, he's fought on Flex a bunch of times, always polite. We, we joke around, we say he's like a big teddy bear. Um, super calm, just always like very pleasant when you see him at weigh-ins anywhere. And then you have um, Tyler McNett, who is a little rough and tumble, wild. He's got the hair, the tattoos. He had a grill on until like right before he went into the cage. So I was just like so excited to see that matchup. Um, and uh, McNatt was coming from Florida. Um, and I believe he fought for Flex Down when we were in Florida a, a little while ago. But um, great right, to the, see uh, The cross-promotion with WCFL. Yes, yes. So it was great to see him back as well. And it was just an exciting matchup all around. You know, the, the styles make fights and just the energy that each fighter carries into the ring, you know, will just make it so exciting. But Nart, uh, he really said that he wanted to show, he said the jab, you know, everyone says about the jab, the jab, the jab, but I want to show some other things in the ring. And since it was slippery because of the rain, he did have to say like, you know, I want to showcase a few things I haven't, you know, you guys haven't seen before. But because, you know, we'll see how the mats are. We'll see. But, um, you know, what I can actually, you know, show you guys that's new. But I think that he made it. It was the jab again in this one that kind of got the initial the blow to uh, to McNatt. And uh, he walked away with the victory and he wanted that belt. And uh, you know, congratulations to Nart and and to uh, McNatt for for showing up and, and fighting hard and just creating an exciting fight for the fans and us to watch. Absolutely. I mean, and see, it's funny. Nart said to me the previous day something rather ominous. He said, everybody knows Carnicella for the jab, but watch for what follows the jab. And that was exactly what happened. He fainted a jab. He threw the jab and right behind him, bang, big left hand, stumbles Tyler. Uh, he jumps on him to try to finish him. The, the start throwing some hands. The scramble happens. 
they wind up coming across the cage right in front of our announced position. Tyler winds up kind of pinned against the cage and nods hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. Um, and the referee had seen enough and stopped the, stopped the action right there in that first round. Uh, Tyler, as many fighters do, had a little something to say about the stoppage. Um, he was not happy. He didn't, he didn't th- think he was in as much trouble or enough trouble to justify ending the fight. Uh, he complained about a slippery cage, but that's because this dude was winging some bombs. Everything Tyler threw was with bad intention. So when you're going to throw that way, you're going to slip, even on the driest mat in the whole world, even just a little bit of sweat will make you will make you slip and slide. Um, so he did complain about a slippery amount of time or two during the fight, but certainly got caught by by the two. I mean, when he got hit by, the, by that left hand, legs buckled for a second. And uh, from there, Nate Nart swarmed. Just an awesome, awesome fight. Uh, like, Interesting like said, to note how um, how history repeats itself. Nard actually put this on his Instagram page the other day. The combination that he knocked out McNett with is the exact same combination in the exact same place in the cage at the exact same arena as his knockout over Eric Maltzby in July of last year at Flex Fight Series 2. So if you get a chance to go over to his page and see that, it is eerie how similar. He cut off the cage in the exact same way, like you said, banded the jab, threw the jab, came in with the left hand. The same exact knockout in the same exact spot. Two years, one year apart, exactly. It's very, very ominous how that happened. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a really awesome post. I'm glad you brought that up. But that brings us right into our next fight. We had an awesome back and forth fight. Dariella Colon versus Jennifer Lubick. Man, what an awesome fight. This was great clinch work. Uh, the number, uh, the story of this fight, I, I've written down. Story of the fight, knees. Knees. <laughs> lots and lots of knees in the clinch. Uh, Jennifer Lubick. Gets a, uh, gets a takedown off of a guillotine attempt by Dariella in round one. And then it was just more and more clinch work. I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be pieces of those ladies ground into our cage from the way they were just around the cage, hold the clinch work the entire fight and just knees and wrestling, uh, exhausting style of fight. But if you're educated in what you're watching, a very fun one to watch for sure. Alex, what was your, what was your besides your, your love of Jennifer Lubick's arms, <laughs> this lady she has the nicest arms it's like insane she's yeah she's very nice arms jennifer um she has fought for flex a few times this was the the most competitive matchup i've seen her in i was really like watching this fight i mean dariella i got to speak with her and one of her teammates and dariella is just she the one thing that they stress like her teammates stressed me is dariella has no fear Like she has no fear. She's game. And she was, that's why we got the fight that we got out of these two ladies. Like it was super competitive the whole time. There was a ton of knees. Um, You know, the female energy going into the cage just changes up the whole atmosphere. And they gave us, they put on a show. And I mean, it was Dariella ultimately did walk away with that one, but I thought Jennifer did a, had a really, really, really nice performance as well. And she showed us a lot in that cage. So I, it was just a great fight to watch from both these ladies, and I, I can't wait to see them both back. And certainly worth noting about that fight, one of the big takeaways for me, and I'm going to talk a lot about Jennifer here, and again, I don't want to take anything away from Dariella. She had a, a spectacular performance. It takes two to tango, and you mentioned that fearlessness on both sides is really what came together to create such a fantastic matchup. But what an inspiration is Jennifer Lubick that in her 40s, continuing to take fights against absolute killers. You look at her... Recent list, so Angelica Mancuso, Phaedra Knight, Lisa Collins, Chanel Butler, Rosa Kay, Dariella Colon. That is a murderer's row that this lady is taking on in her 40s and getting better and better every time. Like you said, this was, for my money, the best performance that I've seen her have in the Flex Fight Series cage. 
it is extremely inspirational to see her continue to just fight every day and get better and better and continue to put on better performances. And she is not phased by losing these fights. She continues to come back and continues to search out that win. And she's getting closer and closer. I can't wait to see her back in there again. I just thought that was worth noting about, about Jennifer and her performance in this fight. Absolutely. She is super, she, again, a super sweet woman. Very, very inspirational too, to see her fighting in there and just, you know, it, it was it was a war and it was just it was such a great fight. So thank you so much. Um, and, uh, another thing worth noting, I think this is a little bit of announcement. She has a fight scheduled against Krista Hannaford. So again, oh, continuing okay. to take on killers here. She has no fear this lady. Dude, I, I want I want to be like Jennifer when I when I grow up. I, I, I she's such an inspiration to me. I didn't start, you know what I didn't start training till I was in my mid twenties. So to see a woman, you know, that strong and powerful and, and continuing to get out there is just super inspirational all around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of inspirational, what a scramble in our next fight to get to the finish. Jonathan Carrion versus Marco Bernardo. What a performance by Jonathan. Uh, I, I have, my notes about what happened once they hit the ground is just crazy scramble to get there. <laughs> like they, they hit the, they, they came together and just, Tasmanian Devil cartoon, and then Jonathan Carrion on the back choking out. Like it was an incredible display of technique to be able to react that fast. Like that's to me that that is the art of jujitsu: being able to see things that quickly, being able to see the opportunities in front of you that fast. That's that just speaks to great training. That speaks to great instincts. Just an awesome, awesome performance from Jonathan Carrion. Tj, do you have anything you took from that fight? I mean, this was certainly what I was expecting as far as crazy grappling exchanges. I know Carrion is a very high-level grappler in his own right. Marco Barriondo, also one of the higher-level grapplers coming out of Warriors Nation. He's a champion in the open weight classes at Combat, uh, at Chronic Combat, another jiu-jitsu competition. He's been competing in jiu-jitsu for a long time. He has the wrestling background. So between these two, I was expecting to see a lot of this craziness on the ground, a lot of crazy scrambling techniques, unorthodox, different kind of leg attacks, because these guys have that full arsenal, both of them. And they both are very quick on the ground. And as you mentioned, like that led to what was the ultimately uh, the finishing scramble. I'm almost disappointed that it was ended by a submission so early because I wanted to see three rounds of that scrambling action. You know, in any case, it was remarkably entertaining and um, a huge win on the side of carry on. You know, this is big to pick up. He now is above the 500 mark. He's at two and one in his career. It's a tough one to swallow for Marco now falling to one and two, but Marco will be back. And uh, I know, again, this is one that he kind of took to heart just because again, coming off of now two straight losses after uh, starting off his career, one and zero with a very impressive arm bar win. And actually he actually had snapped his opponent's arm in that fight on um, the opponent is escaping me at the moment, but um, Marco with still a very bright future in front of him carry on as well. And, you know, I would. I think this is a fight that these two guys will eventually find each other again, and I'm going to be interested to see how they each progress from now until that point. Absolutely. Speaking of arm bars, that's a perfect transition into our next fight: Katie Kikendall versus Emmy Moreno. Man, what a Katie Kikendall talking to her at the day before in the weigh-ins when she described her training for the fight. She described it in a way I had never heard before. She goes, "I put 300 hours into this fight." And I was like, that, that's such a, a Katie way of putting things. But it was so great. I mean, uh, her uh, her word for the, this fight was like adaptability because she had four opponent changes back and forth between kickboxing and MMA. Um, Emmy, a late replacement. I talked to Emmy's uh, corner. Uh, actually, it's funny. They, they were like, they, they pulled me aside. They were like, listen, are you from around here? I said, yes. 
they were like, we're on Long Island. We need some of that good Long Island, New York pizza. So I sent them to my childhood pizzeria that was just down the block. Unfortunately, it's closing this week for business. Unfortunately, it's like 60 years. But they're like, the next day, they're like, yo, that pizza was so good. We still have it in the hotel room. We have it leftovers tonight. But Emmy comes out. Uh, they hit the ground as soon as they do. Emmy puts her, her wrestling dis- on display, gets an arm bar, takes it belly down, uh, which is the deepest way you can get an arm bar. When gravity is helping your weight break the person's arm, it doesn't get much deeper than that. Katie in a lot of trouble real quick. Forced to submit. Excellent display of grappling by Emmy Marino. And just two awesome fighters that I hope we have back in the flex cage many, many, many more times. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to leave Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I, I love ladies. <laughs> well, th- well, this this brings me to to putting you know the the opposite of you know sometimes when you take a fight on last minute things can really go the wrong way, um, but then sometimes when you take a fight on the last minute if you're doing that preparation and you don't have all those stresses like Katie came into this fight she had an exact number of hours that she trained you know she had a lot of stress coming into this fight because of opponents changing people dropping out and those things do play a role leading up to the fight, you know, Katie could have had these things on her mind, these frustrations on her mind and Emmy walking in there, you know, kind of taking on less notice. She's been training, not as much pressure on her side. She was able to go in there, stay calm, stay cool. So you never know what it's, what's going to happen with a fight. It's, it's easy to look. And that's, what's interesting about this for me is that, you know, it's easy to look and say, Oh, they were last minute. But um, if you're staying training or if your opponent, you know, there's just so many variables going into a fight. That's that's my main point with this. There's just so many variables from the training camp, opponents, injuries, this, that changes. And sometimes when you don't have all that stuff going on and you can just walk in and you've been training, you, you can get the the win like like Emmy did. So that was very, very impressive to see from her. Absolutely. And speaking of impressive, that brings us to the striking of Anthony Gorasio. Uh, comes in for a kickboxing bout against Tony Mitchell. Uh, Tony Mitchell, I I felt he was coming one punch at a time. He was countering the body shots well. But, man, Anthony was throwing some big body work, big body work. He's very diverse in his attacks. He was hitting the legs, the body, the head. And the fact that he, there was such unpredictability in what he was hitting was exactly what it took to lead to that round two TKO. Speaking of T's, TJ, what do you think about what did you think about this fight? Dude, I just love every time we get heavyweight kickboxing on the card. We had it at the top, <laughs> we had it at the bottom, we had heavyweight MMA earlier in the card. What's better than the big boys, man? These guys came together and they clashed. And we got a knockout out of it. It was fun to watch. Jurassic, as you mentioned, impressive, diverse in his attacks. He was throwing a variety of different looks at Mitchell. And uh, ultimately, I think that. Striking vocabulary on the unpredictability of Jurassic is what ultimately led to that knockout. Zaria, how did you see this one? Yeah, it was a. It was again the heavyweights. You love to see the heavyweights in the in the flex cage, and Anthony coming from Doghouse in Tampa. That whole team, you know, has that energy, has that kind of like, uh, like star power energy, like in within their team. You know, very animated, very theatrical. So I, I love this matchup and. Um, I can't wait to see them both fight again. We need we need uh, we need lots of heavyweight fights. <laughs> well, this next one was at welterweight, and Alex Finnegan looking to repeat his result from again the previous year. He was at Combat Carnival Flex Fight Series two last <laughs> July in two thousand and twenty one. He didn't get the knockout, but he did get the win over Song Kim. James, how did you have this one? Uh, what the word of, the, of that fight for me was pressure. Alex told me he was training to use pressure and to use his hands. 
And he was very, very, very successful and he used pressure. And he was hoping to be back in the cage sooner than a year, but he works in a hospital, uh, was you know, one of the first on responders during, during uh, all of the craziness with COVID and so forth. So obviously he's been working a bit of craziness, but man, the pressure that this guy put on his opponent was so, so impressive. Uh, I saw big power out of, out of Song uh, coming in with his cross and his hook, his leg kicks. But I felt like he was using more single shots. He was in that, that sniper-like approach that I was trying, that I was talking about earlier. But it was very difficult for him to compete with just the pressure that Alex was putting on. And I mean, the best way to, to deal with the, the sniper striker is just smother him back and smother him back and smother him back. Very hard to be a sniper when you're running backwards. Just an awesome fight overall. And that brought us right to the tail end of our preliminary card. Right? That was Sam Burns versus Adrian Del Rosario. Zari, what did you think about that fight? I loved watching this fight. Uh, both fighters had very, uh, very nice styles. Adrian had a lot of really nice head movement, and he was really, he really moved well in the cage. Um, it was a competitive one, uh, but you know, Sam Birds did come away on top, went to the decision, and uh, I'm just excited to see more from both of these fighters because their skill levels are. You know, even though they are still amateurs, there was a lot of really impressive uh, details to each fighter that I saw. And I, I'm really going to enjoy seeing how they progress uh, after this fight. And Sam Burns, just, just a great kid. Just a great kid. Fun to talk to at the weigh-ins. Made all sorts of silly jokes. You know, I, I asked him about, like, you know, what, what should I predict for the fight tomorrow? He goes, I have to fight tomorrow? They just told me I can make $200 at the door. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny kid. But so into this. His, his takedowns were phenomenal. He was very successful when he threw in combination. Um, and it was funny. He's such a student of the game that when he and I, we happened to see each other at the, coming back from the, I was coming back from the men's room. He was at the food truck. He stopped me and he shook my hand because, you know, I did done the commentary and he was there with his coach who I referred to as Professor X. Um, and him and Professor X were talking to me a little bit and I gave him my feedback. He's like, what do you think I did well? I'm like, this is what you did well. So do more of this. And I was showing him a couple of technical things. And right there, like post-fight in his trunks, getting his post-fight meal, he wants me right there to, to, to go over with him what he could do better. That shows you a kid who's a sponge, man. He just wants to get better. All he wants to improve. And, man, if, if this kid gets even better, I can't wait to see what the future holds for him. TJ, what did you think of this fight? I mean, as you mentioned, Sam Burns, a student of the game, and such a testament here in a mutual debut, two guys coming out of well-credentialed gyms on Long Island. I think that was somewhat to be expected that both of these guys come in with an almost methodical type of approach. And we keep having this conversation about debuting fighters in flex fight series who just don't look like debuting fighters. And it's, it comes out of the quality of the gym and training partners that they come from the coaching they're receiving those rounds of sparring in the gym. And you see it on display on both sides. I thought this was a remarkably competitive matchup for a mutual debut. And again, Sam Burns, as you mentioned, continuing to look and get better. I know that Adrian Del Rosario is looking to do the same thing coming out of law. So Going to be really interesting to see where both of these guys go moving forward, but really a, a great fight for both of them to start out on because, you know, going through a war like that, I think they can both look forward at a lot of opponents and take some confidence out of knowing that they got through this matchup, win or lose. And from there, getting started on the main card, Danny Valle and Greg Canaparo, two more guys we keep mentioning, the adversity and the adjustments that fighters and everybody involved in this event had to make. But these two guys were originally scheduled to fight different opponents Earlier on the uh, on the preliminary card, both of their opponents fell out. They looked at each other and said, "Hey, why don't we just throw down?" So they did. And Danny Valle, emerging submission and emerging victorious by submission of rear naked choke in round number three. 
Yeah, again, coming out of two very, very high quality gyms. Unfortunately, I was not cage side for this fight because I had to use the men's room after the preliminary card. So <laughs> I was making my way back down and I hear the crowd going nuts from the finish. But again, two well-represented gyms, two guys who were great to talk to at the weigh-ins before. Uh, just an awesome, I'm sure an awesome, awesome scrap and an awesome finish. Right into our next one. Next one was the long-awaited rivalry rematch between Daquan Malone and Jonathan Matos. These two met in kickboxing earlier in 2021. They come back for the rematch here in mixed martial arts. And this one, unfortunately for Jonathan Matos, looked like Daquan Malone's fight from the beginning once they got to the, uh, once they got to the ground. Most of these two minutes and six seconds were spent with Daquan chasing that rear naked choke that he ultimately finished the fight with. But Jonathan Matos, always entertaining in there. He was game. He was there giving us the thumbs up as he was in the uh, in the first attempt at the show, keeping himself safe. But this one uh, this one was Daquan Malone's night and what turned out to be Jonathan's retirement fight. Unfortunately, he's going to be moving into more of the content side of things for which we wish him luck. But Daquan Malone moving on in his fight career with a big win. Yeah, I mean, he used his reach advantage so well, striking wise. Then from the takedown, right to the mount, right to the back and went right after that choke. <laughs> Jonathan try as he might. He, he knew it. He knew his goose was cooked. Uh, no pun intended, TJ. Uh, he knew his goose was cooked, and he, he, he took the submission loss, unfortunately. But again, like you said, just an awesome fight, and awesome personalities. And these guys were nothing but smiles at the weigh-ins before. Jonathan pulled me aside. You know, I've only met Jonathan a handful of times uh, at Flex, but yet he remembers my name. He knows which of his teammates I know and used to train with and that kind of stuff. So it was so cool. To, they, at the weigh-ins, he pulled me aside. He's like, hey, James, how are you? And he started the conversation. I didn't even have to, which was so awesome. Just a great personality and super respectful fight and super technical fight. Uh, just awesome, awesome stuff. A little bit of misfortune for the next fight that we had scheduled. Uh, Jacob LaRoche winning by walkover as his uh, his opponent uh, disappeared at some point during the day. We he saw his opponent there. Early. Yeah, we saw him we saw during him. the rain delay. Yeah, and we're not really sure what happened. Uh, hopefully everything's alright with his opponent. I don't want to put him out and maybe harass him online or anything like that, but in, in the Golden Gloves tournament, they would call this a win by walkover. Uh, so that's what I'm going to consider for Jacob LaRoche. It's not going to show up on his record that way, but in my eyes, Jacob LaRoche, win by, by walkover. Right into one of the most memorable moments of the night. <laughs> Zarya, of the year, really. Yeah, seriously. Zarya, I see you nodding your head already. You know exactly what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Stanley Sonatis versus Christian Acerbo. Wow. Wow, a viral moment created for sure. Right after the glove touch, Christian rushes in, goes to throw a right hand. Stanley steps back, throws a check hook. Christian's out on his feet. He's in complete zombie mode at that moment. Um, as, as he's there, the referee gives him every chance to recover. Uh, Stanley jumps on him, hits him two more times. Referee Chris Molina jumps in, stops the contest. Christian hits the ground, and you can see he is far and away uh, like the referee is like, you know, do, doing his job covering. Chris Moon is doing an excellent job making sure the fighter's safe. And But as Christian gets up, you can see his body, the instinct's still going. He's pushing the referee's wrists away to try to wrestle better. He's throwing, like his body's throwing knees that aren't really there. But man, what a viral moment for Stanley Sonatas. Or it's already been oral all over the internet. I saw Punch-Up Official had it. Robin Black did a breakdown of it. Man, I, I'm like, if you're Stanley Sonatas, where do you go from here? Like, this is one of those moments where you, you almost consider maybe I should retire because I know it's not going to get better than this. <laughs> I 
don't say that. Come there is on. no is reason for Stanley Sonatis to step away from the game at this point. Three and oh with three finishes. And this was one of those moments. I said it on the broadcast of Dave Delarocca, where you look at a fighter and you know this guy is different. Because this wasn't just anybody that he did this to. Christian Acerbo is a tough customer. People like he's never had that kind of thing done to him before. He I don't even think he's been finished before. And this guy, Stanley Sonatis, walks out, check hook, beautifully timed. Couldn't have been cleaner. And uh, this this really feels like one of those moments that's going to help propel him ahead. And fighting at uh, fighting at Bantamweight, he could be looking at a Flex Fight Series title shot sooner rather than later. As far as the professional conversation, that's a conversation for him and his team. Um, I know Dave Delarocca thinks that he's going to need at least uh, one more fight just to spend some time in a cage since he keeps getting people out of there in the first round. But Zaria, how did you see this performance and uh, how do you see the future for Stanley Sinaitis after I mean, Stanley was, you know, he went out there and did what he needed to do. It was a quick night in the office or the cage for Stanley. And especially over such an impressive opponent like Christian. I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. It was one of those moments that you get to see and you're like, ah. as a fight fan, as a, as, a common, as anyone who is into fight sports, it's just a beautiful thing to see. So um, I'm happy for Stanley. Um, I can't wait to see him fight for Flex again. Again, if he, you know, gets a title shot, we shall see. Um, but definitely that performance uh, was title shot worthy going forward in the future. So can't wait to see him back and Christian, you know, as well. Um, and this will be a big, you know, learning lesson, you know, these things that happen, it's better that it happens now on a smaller scale than when you are a pro and, you know, you've never been knocked out and then you're getting knocked out. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, you got to, everything's a learning lesson in fighting and I know Christian will be back and uh, I'm excited to see what's to come from both of them. Certainly exciting things to come from both fighters. And you mentioned the potential title shot. We both mentioned it a little bit earlier. And another potential accolade that could come from this fight for Stanley Sinaitis, he's immediately in the Flex Fight Series knockout of the year conversation. I actually put out a reel the day after the uh, the fight here, and I compared it side by side to, uh, to Zachary Blumberg's knockout earlier this year in his debut, which took just two seconds. And in my mind, it's got to be one of those two up there for knockout of the year 2022. The comment section was heavily in favor of Stanley Sinaitis, albeit they were mostly his teammates and friends. But that's what we do this for, man. We want to see what the people think. And now I'm interested to hear both of your opinions. We'll start with you, Zari. Which of those two knockouts do you believe was more impressive at this point in time, being the 2022 Flex Fight Series knockout of the year? Oof. Okay, well, Stanley's knockout, I think, was what, seven seconds? Seven seconds, yeah. It's not necessarily just based on speed, but if if it were the quickest knockout, that is Zachary Blumberg at two seconds. Yeah, so Blumberg's was so fast. I didn't even – I looked at my paper for a second, and it was – the fight was over. So ju just based on the time alone, it was like, you know, oh, my God. But the, the skill level uh, behind Stanley and, like, how he set that up and how he got that, you know, on Christian – I think that might be knockout of the year for me. James, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that sentiment? See, the way I look at knockout of the year is, is the dramatics of the knockout, and both super dramatic because, you know, there's always that initial feeling out period in, in the opening moments of the fight, and certainly Zachary Blumberg, very dramatic in the way he knocks his opponent out in two seconds. But for me, what takes Stanley's over the top is the reaction of his, of his opponent to the knockout. Zachary's, uh, Zachary's opponent was dropped by the first punch, followed with a beautiful punch to the solar plexus uh, as they were a novice. So that was all they could hit on the ground. And that was all she wrote. But watching the dramatics, the, the, the visual dramatics 
of the way Christian Acerbo stiffens up on his feet and then tries to still be there, even though his consciousness is long on away. And then watching him continue to wrestle the referee after the fight, for me, that, that, that extra level of dramatics just takes it in, in Stanley's favor. You guys know how much I love Professor X and his team, but I would say just those extra dramatics takes it uh, to Stanley's corner. So that seems to be the consensus opinion, perhaps some extra motivation for Zachary Blumberg to get back into the cage before the end of the year and try to put on another performance that competes with that of Sonatus. But we, for now, unfortunately, we do have to move on. Well, fortunately, because we have so much more to get to. But James Kavarik and Abdul Ibrahim go to a uh, submission guillotine choke. Your winner by submission, James Kavarik at two minutes and 20. I'm sorry, two minutes flat of round number two. So the, yeah. To me, the difference between the two rounds of this fight were how, was how much busier James was with his strikes in the second round. Once he got busier with his strikes, he was able to keep his distance better because Abdul did a great job with takedowns in round one. But takedowns are all about distance. If your distance is wrong, if you're too far away when you're shooting those takedowns, your opponent's going to be able to react really well. And the, the key thing to do, if you're someone with a striking background, is to make that middle ground scary. If you make that space in between you and your opponent scary for them to, to fill, then they're going to have to shoot from further away. James did exactly that, busier with his strikes, as such, draws the takedown from too far away, snatches the head with the guillotine, rolls to mount, finishes it from mount. Abdul left with no choice but to submit. Zaria, what did you see from this fight that stuck out to you? Absolutely. So James is another uh, James is another guy from Law MMA, and uh, he's you know been fighting for a little while. He's got a super fun, calm, collected energy going into the ring. I have to say, I was a little nervous about James after the first round. Um, it did like, like TJ, I think you were saying that he, uh, you know, picked it up going into the second round. There was a total change or I'm sorry, James. Um, but yeah, James, you know, his, his wrestling, his jujitsu gave him that dominant performance and he got that, he got that choke right in front of me actually, uh, against the cage. And, uh, just James is when he got up from it, it was very like lighthearted, you know, again, like the good sportsmanship, just a little, like, kind of like dance, like, you know, and was out of the cage. So I'd love to see them both back in the ring because it was super competitive up until that point. And, uh, you know, James pulled through with that submission, but the next, I have to just jump to this fight because I personally think that this may have been fight of the night, if not one of my favorite fights of the night. And that was Brian O'Day versus John Hancock. This fight was spe- I, I loved this fight so much. It was, non-stop back and forth the heart uh brian o'day one of the o'day brothers but uh, also a, a member of the the military served for our country his heart in this fight like he was not the everything that was being thrown at him from john was just john was constant pressure this entire fight he was constantly they were on the ground they were getting up he was it was just everything that you want to see in a fight you got to see in this fight and it was just both of these guys I loved both of their performances. They, I want to see them both fighting and immediately. I would love to see a rematch between the two of them if that was something that they wanted to do. But this fight was just a big highlight for me. And I loved it from start to finish. And, uh, you know, ultimately, John walked away with that win. But Brian O'Day, props to you because that was definitely one of my favorite fights of the night. And just seeing that heart, seeing that, uh, you know, when you get these matchups that show that put fighters to the test and have to, you know, they have to show what they're actually made of. This was, you know, for both of these guys, 
But I think that Brian was having, you know, towards the second round, third round, you know, John was just relentless uh, attacking him. Um, but he showed the heart and he, he made it through all the rounds and it was just a beautiful fight to watch. Absolutely. You never see a quit, any quit in the U.S. Marine. And uh, again, Brian O'Day putting that, that, that heart on display. Um, John Hancock coming right after him right away. Uh, great takedowns in round one. Uh, round two was using his range really well, using the striking. But again, constant pressure from Hancock. But O'Day did not fold under the pressure. Fighting back constantly. Round two sets his feet and lands a big cross. Uh, and goes right after Hancock, after the cross. Uh, Hancock takes O'Day down, almost gets a rear naked choke, and it was close. I, th- I thought that O'Day was in big, big trouble and manages to get out of a super close choke attempt. Round three, they're back out of a grappling. Uh, Hancock's going back after Brian O'Day. And, uh, on a takedown attempt, they're back and forth grappling. Uh, Hancock, they separate. As they separate, Hancock lands a head kick. And it's like, oh, like, like here we are thinking, like, this is going to be it. And Brian O'Day stays in it like nothing happened. Like, again, just the heart of a Marine on display the entire time. Incredible fight to watch. I'm so glad you brought it all up, Zarya. That, that, that really, you're right. Definitely one of the fights tonight for sure. TJ, what do you remember from, from this one? Very well said by both of you, James and Alex. I mean, I don't know if there's really much more to say. Brian O'Day, he hung in there. He took those big shots. He had the big shots of his own. Hancock, constant pressure the entire time. Certainly a contender for our fight of the night among 28 fights. That's certainly saying something. And I was very interested to see in this fight whether Brian O'Day would be met with adversity and how he would react. And obviously, again, a U.S. Marine, there's no quitting this guy. I think we all knew how he would react in the face of the storm as he did. And it was a competitive fight back and forth. I think the future is bright for both of these young fighters at featherweight. And Really bright future for Chris Hayes as well. He gets a big win over a veteran at 185. Knockout win over Mackenzie Heaton, 121 of round number two. Their middleweight feature here at Flex Fight Series 15. Yeah, again, just an awesome display from Chris Hayes. Big takedowns. This is very much whenever Zari describes the big boys in the cage, <laughs> this was the big boys in the cage. Just bang, big takedowns from Chris Hayes. I, I remember feeling like the whole cage was shaking. Every time Chris Hayes had a takedown, round two finds his way to the crucifix position, peppering his opponent with shots. And unfortunately for McKenzie, that was all she wrote. Uh, referee stepping in and stopping the contest. Zari, anything besides just the sheer size of these men stand out for you I, about this? this fight? I, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you. You know, with everything that you said, it was an exciting fight and always love to see the heavyweights in that cage. <laughs> And then we got a little bit smaller in the next bout. Christian Carlo and Brian Cruz go to a unanimous decision win for Carlo. Another competitive fight. Again, a theme of the night. Well-matched fights up and down the card. This one was competitive as well. And James, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one. This fight was so fun to watch. Christian Carlo's jiu-jitsu was incredible. I just, uh, the only words I've written under him, dominant grappler. Dominant grappler. His, the ability that he had to chase submission after submission after submission. He was pulling things out in ways that were just so impressive to watch. The way he put these things together was incredible. Just one submission to the next submission to the next submission. Like he, he I, I forget exactly what happened, but he winds up in this like incredible scramble where he like throws this kick and winds up turning it into like jumping on the opponent and going for a leg lock. It was nuts. It was not like every time I, I felt like that was the coolest submission attempt I've seen the flex fight so far, he would then outdo himself on the next one. Constantly chasing submissions. Great tutelage from Professor X. 
dominant, dominant grappling on display. Zaria, what stood out to you about this one? Absolutely. I agree with you. It was beautiful displays of jujitsu, beautiful displays of grappling. And we love to see that. I love, you know, to see each martial art get, get highlighted in different fights by different fighters is, is a special thing. And this one definitely gave us a lot of submission um, grappling highlights. That brings us right into our next one. We, are, we have the next O'Day brother, John O'Day, in the cage with Tom Hines from Catone's MMA. Uh, Hines winning unanimous decision, dominant wrestling on display, lots of back takes. And again, try as he might, he could not break the Marine. John O'Day in this fight, every moment of it. Just again, just when you think of the O'Day brothers, sure, first thing I think is thank you for your service. Second thing I think is tough. These guys are just tough. And Tom Hines, no slouch, doing everything he could to get John O'Day out of there. And John O'Day just would not go. TJ, what do you remember from this one? This one was a competitive fight. You know, I mean, John O'Day has been in there with some very talented fighters before. And he's really not afraid to back down from, uh, or he's not afraid of anything. He doesn't back down from anything. We keep mentioning the toughness of the O'Day family of these two Marines. And you just can't say enough about that no quit spirit that they have and that they put on display every single time they step into the flex fight series cage. But Tom Hines mixing the martial arts beautifully. I thought something that was very impressive for me was in his grappling transitions, the way that he managed to work the striking in there. I'm always very impressed with that when any athlete is able to mix the martial arts, you know, a lot of guys go from striking to wrestling and then they're on the ground, they start working their jujitsu, they go back to the wrestling, try to keep control. But mixing everything together, I thought Tom Hines did a beautiful job of blending his martial arts, really maximizing every position that he had. And that's what it takes to beat a guy like John O'Day. And he really he did both fighters really did a spectacular job. Another potential fight of the night contender. But we had another one again, all title fights from here on out. And I think there were two or three more that could potentially compete for that fight of the night title at Flex Fight Series 15. Mm -hmm. Julio Segarra emerges victorious by unanimous decision over Harvier Singh in a three-round fight for mm -hmm. the belt at 145 in the kickboxing realm. And Sagara was masterful using that jab, maintaining range the entire fight, getting his kicks off. James, I'm very interested to see how you saw these uh, these striking exchanges between Sagara yes. and Singh. Absolutely. I hate to correct you. It was a five-round fight. Five-round five round fight, fight, correct, yes. And five what stood off me for Julio is his body work, his pressure. He was so successful when he was going forward. Um, Javier, again, that sniper-like approach, great knees, great kicks, but he was, he was getting a heck of a time to try to throw him. As soon as Julio kind of found his range a little bit and was able to put the pressure forward, I just thought this was such a competitive fight because even though Julio was, was being able to smother their kicks and be able to be busy pressing forward the way that he was, we get Javier that all of a sudden, I don't know, bang, big kick, bang, big knee. So he kept it as a really exciting fight the whole time. Julio is tough as they come, just inc incredible pressure the whole time. And I have written down body work, all capitals underlined. So I, again, I remember the big body punches. I remember us sitting cage and, ooh, ooh, every time he was hitting him in the body. And man, he could try as he might. He could not get Singh out there. Again, great fighting spirit from Singh. That, that no quit mentality that you mentioned from the earlier fights. Getting hit with big shots in the body is usually enough to make most people go away but not enough for Javier Singh. And again, great performance from Julio Segarra. Zaria, what do you remember from this fight? Absolutely. This was another one that for me really stood out and was one of the, another one that was, you know, on my fight of the night. Uh, very memorable performances from both of these fighters. It was nonstop. It was like, if you wanted to see kickboxing, like this, like it was just nonstop kicks, punches, attacks, you know, 
both of these guys came out and they wanted that, you know, uh, saying, you know, wanted to keep that belt and it showed in the, in the fight, uh, went all five rounds, but Sagara did, he just, he maybe had a little bit more volume Singh got a little bit winded because there were just big strikes being thrown the whole entire time from both sides. But, you know, Sagara coming out on top, getting the belt and just an exciting, exciting, all five rounds were exciting from start to finish. So very happy. I got to see this one. And speaking of fight of the night contenders, this one, among the people that I spoke to seem to be the consensus. Jaquan Moore and Kevin Membrino went at it for the lightweight strap in the kickboxing realm. Competitive fight for all nine minutes. This one was three by three. I know that one for a fact. Jaquan <laughs> <laughs> Moore, Kevin Membrino going to war. Zaria, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, so Shaquan Moore, I've been seeing him fight since for a long time. Um, and seeing him, you know, now as a pro. And this performance was just amazing to watch. Super competitive. Both of these guys have a ton of heart in that cage. And it was just, it was nonstop the whole entire time. Um, Kevin Mambrino, a little bit different, uh, a little bit shorter, a little bit more stockier. Shaquan, a little bit more leaner. And to, you know, see them striking against each other, to see that matchup. I, I loved this fight, too. There were th this next, these next four that we're going to, or three more that we're going to talk about, these were all like, you know, just um, an amazing way to, to round out the, the 28 fights that we had on this card. And this one was right there up them up there with, uh, you know, Brian O'Day, John Hancock, and this last one, Julio Segarra and Javier Singh, just beautiful performances. Yeah. And, I mean, I've known Jaquan a long time. I've known of him for a very long time. I just so happened to be at his first amateur fight. I had a fighter on that card too. Um, but what was so impressive to me is the way he came back from round two. Kevin Membrino, from round one, I should say. Uh, Kevin Membrino comes out busy, a lot of leg kicks, a lot of leg kicks. And I could tell from Shaquan's movement, the leg kicks were having a bit of an effect. And leg kicks are a hard thing to come back from because your legs don't recover. Like a, a fighter gets hit in the head, they get stunned. If they don't get hit for another couple of seconds, their head can clear. Body, it takes a little longer. But legs, you have to stand up the whole fight. So you have to engage those leg muscles. And it's the need to engage those leg muscles that makes recovering from leg kicks are difficult and Kevin was very busy very powerful with his leg kicks in that first round and Jaquan comes right back in the second round and one of the best ways to stop a kicker is by being a puncher and he did exactly that in the second round putting his hands on display and then I have round three written down this awesome back and forth Kevin realized what he needed to do get back to those leg kicks Jaquan knew what he needed to do get back to his hands and they both went out and do it and did it and Jaquan came out the victor just an awesome fight to watch Really awesome fight to watch. Dave De La Rocca chose it as, as his fight of the night. He's a little biased being one of Shaquan's trainers and all, but that's okay. We're not going to hold it against him. And another fight certainly could have competed for that title in the co-main event. Two superstars here at Flex Fight Series. Alpha Torre now moving to 4-0 with his knockout victory of a veteran at Shedrick Goodrich, a guy who's been around and fought some of the bigger names in the sport. He's fought for Bellator around the professional ranks. He gets into the kickboxing realm here for the first time and puts on a competitive performance against a young killer in Alpha Torre. Mm -hmm. James, we'll start with you on this one. I know you're a big fan of Alpha Torre. I want to hear your thoughts on his performance. I think of Alpha Torre as Flex Fight's own style bender. I think he's our Israel Adesanya. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not only in his skill and how skillful he is as a striker, but his personality, his swagger, and everything. But, man, he is such a technical striker. I, you know, I have written down here, Shedrick was, was successful early in round one with his single shots, picking one shot at a time at range where we had thought that Alpha would be the more successful fighter. And all of a sudden, Alpha flips the script on us, goes from using the long range that he usually uses as such a rangy guy 
to infighting. And then from there, it's just an avalanche. I believe I'm still in this from Dave Delaraca. Thank you, Dirac. Uh, the, the analogy of the avalanche where it starts and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And that is exactly how Vittori fights. Round one, he draws a standing eight count, which is bad enough. But then the fury just keeps coming. And it just, the intensity just keeps coming. And he's walking right into the range that should be desirable for Shedra Goodridge. And he's dominating that range with hands and knees and elbows. Oh, just amazing display, super long combinations. That is the staple of AlphaTauri's style, is if he hits you once, prepare to get hit like 70 more times. Like you don't get a chance to breathe. Draws two standing eight counts in round two. And then by round three, the avalanche is at its worst. And that is all she wrote. Zarya, what stood out about this one for you besides everything? That, I mean, yeah, this one was another one that I was just like out of my chair screaming the whole entire time. Such an exciting fight. And Alpha, he has an appropriate name. His whole energy, like even at the weigh-ins, you know, he was rooting on his teammates on the scale. Like, let's go. Like, just I could, on everyone not, on the scale. I could not wait to see him get into the cage. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this. And even, you know, when he, uh, him and Shadrach were, uh, were up there, he was like, let's go, baby. Let's go. Like, he was just hyped to be there. He had all this freaking energy and it exploded in that cage. And I mean, like, like, like James said, you know, Shadrick Goodrich been around for a long time, you know, has fought a lot of really, really talented fighters. So to see Alpha put that skill level on display against an opponent like Shadrick was just incredible to watch. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful end to, uh, well, almost end to our night. And the night for our main run. event. At the end, Patrick Carroll, all roads led to his defense of the pro heavyweight kickboxing title. Over again, we uh, mentioned it earlier, Jonathan Big Baby Miller coming in from Florida, taking the fight on five days notice following his knockout victory and his debut for Jorge Masvidal's Gamebred Boxing Championship. And just to dig into this one a little bit more, Zarya, I want to hear your thoughts on uh, what was an entertaining fight at heavyweight for as long as it lasted. Patrick Carroll, masterful with the leg kicks. Patrick Carroll just comes out like a Viking. Like I don't even, or like a lumberjack, just something. He's just got this and always very calm. And he got, went into that cage and it was just, it looked like he wasn't even, I mean, not to say that he wasn't, you know, but it was like, he got it done in the first round, um, you know, came in there, defended, defended that title and, and did what he had to do. And, and yeah, this was a last minute fight for Miller. Um, you could kind of, see that again like i was saying before with you know you never know if it's a last minute fight which way it's going to go sometimes that less build up of mental pressure of preparing for something can make it kind of go in your favor or not or, or the opposite could be true but uh patrick carroll just a, do a dominating force uh as a heavyweight on the flex fight series and you know he he did it again yeah see the, the word i think you were looking for is the composure of patrick yes carroll, because he comes out and he just looks so not bothered at all. Like you can't tell if he's there to like mow the lawn or like do somebody's <laughs> taxes. I mean, he looks like a Viking. That's that you're hundred percent accurate. But it, it, like, is he is he here? Is he here for lunch? Like he looks like he's not <laughs> up at all. And then he comes out, beautiful technique. Like uh, uh, for a heavyweight, heavyweights tend to rely on the fact that they're a heavyweight sometimes, and things get a little less technical. It's a, a, a an unfortunate generalization with heavyweights. Not Pat Carroll. Beautiful technique, hands in perfect guard position at every point. Everything's so crisp, so clean, so technical. If I was going to teach my beginner class how to throw a, a round kick or a jab or a cross, I'd show them that fight. Like, just, just do it exactly like he does it because he does it so well. 
He stayed perfectly at the end of his range, right at the end of his punches. Big chopping leg. The first leg kick he threw, I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem. I don't remember. <laughs> you and I were doing commentary for the fight team, and I'm pretty sure I remember it saying when that first leg kick hit, that's going to be a problem because they were. Man, I, that would be a tr- that would be a trouble for a redwood tree, but certainly for a human being, that was going to be trouble. And those leg kicks were the story of the fight. And listen, no shame to Jonathan Miller hitting the ground after getting kicked like that. A Buick would would not be getting around if it got kicked like that. So <laughs> don't hang your head in shame like that, man. Getting hit with shots like that, an elephant would be laying down holding his leg. So <laughs> don't absolutely. Absolutely. The leg kicks are brutal. And like you said, the, the reference to the redwood, that's what they call, it, you know, chop the tree will make them lose that stability. And then if you're trying to plant, it's not happening because if you're taking that much damage in those leg kicks, especially coming from a guy like Patrick Carroll, that's it's it's going to be over pretty quickly. And that's that's pretty much what ended up happening in this. That is what ended up happening in this fight. So. Again, that whole those whole the last the, the main card, the prelims, everything. There was so much diversity on this card adversity on this card and it was just a spectacular night i just i had the best time i can't wait to be back in there with you guys when when we um, i don't know if i'm jumping ahead right now but i'm just very excited because we ha- do have the next fight we took a break this month but our next fight is september 10th my birthday uh, it feels like forever you know it yeah. feels it does i'm like missing it so much but the next fight is september 10th and we are in melville and uh, there's um, that card's coming together amazingly from what, I, what I've heard so far. There are certainly a lot of positive rumors floating around about that card, and we aren't quite there yet as far as the fight announcements or far to, as far as the bout order or anything like that. But what we do know is that Flex Fight Series is going pro in the realm of mixed martial arts. We have professional fighters making their MMA debuts. Jason Downer will be making the jump. Andrew Stock will be making his professional debut at Flex Fight Series 16 on September 10th, uh, Adam Livingston rumored to be making a debut on that card. We don't know if he will be there or not. The rumors are floating around about his professional debut coming up soon. Uh, Rocco Jambrone also confirmed to be on the September 10th card as a professional. We await to find out their opponents, but big news there. We are going pro. We have pro MMA at the top of the card on September 10th. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited. It's going to be a special, special, special day. And the new, the arena, the event arena we're going to be in is in Melville. It's, I got to see it a little bit. It looks amazing. So can't come soon enough. Yeah. And my, my nephew was disappointed. He has to wait a whole extra month for next time. Uh, Spoiled tell, kid. Me too, through. Kai. Me too. Yeah. The ring girls miss him too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can't blame the man. That kid's got a personality. <laughs> but so with yeah. that, we look ahead now to September 10th, Flex Bite Series 16. You can get your tickets for that via ticketleap.com. You can go to flexbites.com. The link is available there. Pre-order the pay-per-view via flexbiteseries.com. Link is there to take you to throwdownsports.com. You have to have a membership on Throwdown to so sign up there. James, Zaria, any closing thoughts before we move on and look ahead to our next card on September 10th? Ben, when I think of the of our July card here, the only word I can think of, memorable. Memorable. So many memorable moments. Not only from all the time with you guys, of course, my team, my squad, but also just the amazing moments in the cage. Man, just a memorable, memorable night. If you missed it, go back to throwdownsports.com, buy the on-demand, not only do you get to hear us talk about fights even more in depth, but more importantly, you get to see all this action that we described 
What a night of fights it was. Alex, tell us what you remember. What's, what's your the final thoughts on this card, I should say? Absolutely. I feel like the, uh, you know, we had two fights going on at once. We had the battle of the elements and we had the battle in the cages. And ultimately, it still resulted in just everyone coming up, showing up, getting it together and still just keeping it professional and amazing, amazing, amazing fights. I feel like that kind of almost that little bit of mayhem injected a little bit more like fire into the event that night and a little bit more of a like you know that whole like fighting spirit as they say um and it was awesome to see you know just everything play out the way it did again there were so many fights that were highlights for me fights of the night for me there was like three fights that i was like that's fine that's fine we had the amazing knockout by stanley um and I'm just very excited to see, you know, every time we do things at Flex, it just gets better and better and better and better. And being able to give these fighters a platform, being able to highlight their skills. You know, these are young men and women that are training, you know, more than just that 15 minutes or 20 minutes you see them in the cage. They are training. This is their life. And it's amazing to just give them this platform and then let them entertain everyone. So I'm just counting the days until we are back together September 10th in Melville with our beloved flex fighters. And I can't wait to see all the new pros and the new talent that we're going to be, uh, uh, you know, introducing to the world. We almost can't forgot the most memorable fight of the, the most memorable moment of the night. We almost forgot the most memorable moment of the night and the post-fight interview after our main event, Dave Della Rocca in the cage with Patrick Carroll, Patrick Carroll grabs him by the face, Plants a big old kiss right on his cheek. Man, <laughs> most memorable moment of the night. We talk to D-Rock when he gets back to the announced position. He goes, listen, what Pat Carroll wants to do, Pat Carroll does. <laughs> can't believe he we almost left that does. up. <laughs> he certainly does. You can't say it much better than that. And closing, uh, closing thoughts now, I only have one question. Alex, what is your favorite type of liquor to take shots of? Oh... Oh, wow. Okay. Seems random, but I'm going somewhere with this. I promise. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'll, I just, I like green tea shots. So that's Jameson, but everyone loves tequila. <laughs> everyone loves tequila. All right. So green tea and tequila. Alex needs 33 shots on her birthday at Flex Bite Series 16. I want every fan there bringing her a shot at the desk. We got to celebrate in style. We're going to have some fun on September 10th, everybody, for James and for Alex. I am TJ Ragusa. This has been a pleasure as always. We can't wait to see you in September. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.